Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. People are going to be offended by what Jeremiah has to say. Now, he's just speaking the truth. He's just speaking the Word of God, but they are going to be offended, and they're not going to tolerate Jeremiah. They're not going to tolerate the Word of God from Jeremiah, and we're going to see that Jeremiah will be ignored. He'll be mocked. He'll be ridiculed. He'll be beaten. He'll even be imprisoned for preaching the Word of God. But God says here to Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid of the reaction." To the Word of God. When you choose to follow Christ, you aren't guaranteed an easy life, but you are promised to have your needs met and hope of eternity. Jeremiah knew this, and as you will see today with Pastor Dan, he still chose to follow God's will no matter what kind of consequences he might face. He even still chose to follow God where there wasn't any clear fruits from Jeremiah's life. What are you willing to endure in this life for the hope of a secure future with God in eternity? Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. And then it says in verse 3, In the twelfth year, in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. Images. So when he's 20 years old now, he begins to remove the idolatry from the land. Now look down in verse 8. In the 18th year, so now he's 26. In the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, Messiah, however you say these, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Jehoaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. The temple had been neglected under all of the idolatry. And so now Josiah, he starts to repair the temple there in Jerusalem so so people can worship the Lord there. If you look down in verse 14, at the end of verse 14, it says, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses in the temple. Now, we don't know if this Hilkiah is the father of Jeremiah. Uh, It could be, but we can't say for sure. But as they're repairing the temple and restoring the temple and working on the temple, they find a copy of the book of the law of Moses. Tradition says that this was the copy that Moses actually wrote himself. Uh, And it's also possible and believed that this was the only copy that was left in Israel of the law of Moses. So as they're working on the temple, they come across the law. They come across a scroll of the law of Moses. And then if you look down in verse 15, we're told that Hilkiah uh, tells the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And then they take it to the king and they read it to the king. Um, If you look at verse 18, then Shaphan the scribe told the king saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. He doesn't even know what it is. 
And Shaphan read it before the king. Verse 19, that thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. He rented his garment. He's lamenting. Then the king commanded Hilkiah and these other guys go inquire of the Lord for me. And for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. The law of God's been lost. They don't even know what it says. They find a copy of it. It's brought to the king, Josiah. He says, hey, we found this book. He starts reading it to the king. And the king is so convicted just by hearing the word of God that he rents his garments and he says, we're in big trouble. We haven't done any of the things that are written in this book. We're under God's wrath. We need to do something. So if you look down in verse 29, then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing, the king read it, all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood in his place and he made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to take a stand, take a stand for the word of God. And so the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus, Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel. And he made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days, they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. It's under Josiah that this national revival, spiritual revival takes place in Judah. And it's during that revival that Jeremiah is called. And so now you have Josiah, this godly king who has called the nation back to repentance and to walk with the Lord according to his commands And you have Jeremiah, the prophet, both of these men, God is using to serve him and to serve God's people. And they both, you know, kind of supported each other during the time of this revival. But when Josiah passes away and he dies, the nation backslides and the nation goes right back to idolatry and forsakes God once again. And God eventually judges the nation for breaking this covenant that they've made with him and for their idolatry, he sends them into Babylon for 70 years as part of that judgment. Now go back to chapter one of Jeremiah. So he's called when Josiah is the king during this national spiritual renewal that's taking place in the land of Judah. He is a prophet all the way up to and through the captivity of Babylon, when Babylon comes and conquers Judah and takes them away captive. Now, in verse 4, we have the actual call of Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord, notice, came to me, Jeremiah says. It's a very personal experience for Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me. 
He had some kind of personal encounter with the Lord and with his word. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. You know, just this past week, the state of New York passed legislation uh, making abortion legal, abortion up to the point of delivery of the baby. Virginia is discussing a similar law. And their law is ambiguous enough that if the woman in labor decides at that point she wants to abort the baby, the baby can be delivered and then left to die. And that's kind of the debate now. Is the law too ambiguous? And would it allow abortion after the baby is born? But look at what God says here. God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So we're talking about before conception here. Before Jeremiah was conceived in the womb, the Lord knew him. And the word knew here, it means to know intimately. God already knew Jeremiah. He already had a plan for Jeremiah, a plan for his life before conception. God says, before you were born, I sanctified you. While he was still in the womb, God sanctified him in the womb. The word sanctified, it means to set apart. And here the Lord says, while you were still in the womb, I set you apart. I had a purpose for you. I had a plan for your life. While he was still in the womb, he says, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before he's even born. Before he was born. God knew Jeremiah before the womb. God knew Jeremiah in the womb. And God knew Jeremiah after the womb. And God had this plan mapped out for Jeremiah's life, even before conception. And he set him apart from the time he was in the womb for this plan in his life. And I believe that God has a plan for every person. And I believe he has a plan that he knows every person before they're created, before they're born, before they're conceived in the womb, before they come forth. Uh, to life on this earth, all of it. I believe that God knows us before we're in the womb, while we're in the womb, and after the womb. He does with Jeremiah. Again, we're talking about before conception here. You know, not to get too kind of heady here, but, you know, that kind of is the argument, isn't it? When does life begin? Does it begin at conception? God's got a plan for his life before he's even conceived. God's got a call on his life while he's still in the womb. You see the same thing with Isaiah. Back in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 5, Isaiah talks about how God called him while he was still in the womb. You see the same thing with the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 1. He talks about how God called him from his mother's womb to be a minister to the Gentiles. This is God's perspective on life. He calls Jeremiah and ordained him to be a prophet to the nation. Now, what's a prophet? A prophet is someone who speaks for God to the people. And Jeremiah was not only a prophet to Judah, he's a prophet to the nations, it says. You know, the book of Jeremiah, the first 45 chapters are prophecies to Judah, and the beginning in chapter 46, it's prophecies to the nations. And look at verse 6. Verse 6 is Jeremiah's response. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. Jeremiah says, I can't be your prophet. I'm just a kid. I'm too young. Now, again, most commentators believe Jeremiah was 
in his late teens or early 20s when God called him. This word youth that's used here, it refers to someone who is about 20 years old or younger. So he's probably a teenager, maybe 20, 21 at the oldest when God calls him. And Jeremiah was afraid of what God was calling him to. He knew that it was a difficult calling. He knew what was going on in the nation spiritually and morally. So he's afraid to be a prophet to the nation. He protested. But the Lord said to him, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. God promises he will give Jeremiah the words to speak. He says, whatever I command you, You speak. Just say what I tell you to say. And he tells him, I'll send you to the people. You go to the people I send you to. You just say what I put in your mouth to say. Don't tell me that you're too young. So Jeremiah, he is young. He is young. He's inexperienced. And yet God's going to use him to accomplish his plan. And as you go through the Bible, there's a lot of occasions where God uses young, inexperienced, unqualified people to do his will and to fulfill his plans. For example, Joseph, back in the book of Genesis, Joseph was 17 years old when his brothers sold him into slavery. He went down to Egypt. He became the prime minister of Egypt under Pharaoh. He saved his family. He saved the Hebrew people from a famine. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they were all teenagers when they were taken to Babylon, and they had a tremendous impact for the Lord. Daniel served in high office in both the Babylonian Empire and the Medo-Persian Empire. I mentioned Josiah earlier, the king. He became king at eight years old. He brought revival into the nation, reform into the nation while he was still a teenager in his early 20s. In the New Testament, you have Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's a teenager uh, when she conceives and bears the Messiah. Timothy, Timothy was a young pastor, pastoring a very difficult church in the city of Ephesus. Uh, And he was discouraged. He was thinking about quitting. That's why Paul writes him the letter of 1 Timothy. And Paul tells Timothy uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, that's public reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands by the eldership. And so he tells Timothy, hey, don't let anyone despise your youth just because you're young. Be an example to the believers, the way that you live your life and the words that you speak. God is not always looking for someone with the right experience or the right skills or the right qualifications. Quite often, God is just looking for someone who's available and who's willing to just do what he's asking to do. You know, that's what he's looking for. Availability, 
and willingness, and you're qualified. You know, God likes to use the weak. He likes to use the nobodies. He likes to use the unqualified because then he gets all the glory for it. So here is Jeremiah. Jeremiah's a young guy, young kid, a teenager maybe. He says, hey, I, I can't speak. I'm a youth. And God says, don't tell me you're a youth. You just go to who I send you to. You say what I tell you to say. Verse 8, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now, Jeremiah's message, it was a hard message. And the people will hate Jeremiah for his message, for telling the truth. You know, Paul talks about preaching the word in season and out of season. And the word of God's out of season in Jeremiah's day. And people are going to be offended by what Jeremiah has to say. Now, he's just speaking the truth. He's just speaking the word of God. But they are going to be offended. And they're not going to tolerate Jeremiah. They're not going to tolerate the word of God from Jeremiah. And we're going to see that Jeremiah will be ignored. He'll be mocked. He'll be ridiculed. He'll be beaten. He'll even be imprisoned for preaching the word of God. But God says here to Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid of the reaction to the word of God. I remember one time I spoke at a funeral. This is before I was even a pastor. Uh, and I was asked to speak at a funeral. And the person who asked me to speak was a believer. And the rest of the family wasn't. And they asked me to declare the gospel to their family. And I did. You could just see the anger on their faces. I wasn't heavy handed about it. Uh, but just their faces, you know. And here God says to Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces, right? Because you can see it on their faces sometimes when you're preaching the word of God to people. Don't be afraid of their reaction. God says, for I am with you. Do you see that? For I am with you to deliver you. You know, God's answer to our fear is always that he is with us, that he's with us. His answer to fear is his presence, that he's with us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You're with me. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that is what calms our fears, is the fact that God is with us. And to Jeremiah, you know, God God says, I'm with you, and I'll deliver you. Jeremiah is called to a very difficult ministry, but he's not alone. God's with him, and God will give him the words to speak, And God will protect him. Just as God is with us in our difficulties, he's close to us. He helps us. He strengthens us. He carries us through. I think about the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy when he talks about how he stood up to give his defense. And he said, no one was with me. Everyone had forsaken Paul. And he says, but the Lord stood with me. You know, everybody else abandoned me, but the Lord was with me. And the Lord stood with me. The Lord says to Jeremiah, I'm with you. Then verse nine, the Lord put forth his hand and look what he says. And he touched my mouth and the Lord said to me again, you just see it's this very personal experience for Jeremiah here. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Jeremiah has this memory, this very personal experience when God called him to be a prophet. And, you know, he remembers it in such detail. I remember he touched my mouth. and The Lord said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. And it's good to remember and it's valuable to remember uh, when God called you, when God called you to a specific ministry or when God called you to do something 
or when God called you to go somewhere. It's good to remember the details of that calling, especially because things can get difficult in that calling and you might get discouraged and you can look back and say, no, I remember when God called me to do this. I remember when God said to me to go there. I remember when God told me to take this job. I remember when God told me to move here. I remember what he said to me. I remember how he spoke to me. I remember how he confirmed it to me. It's good to remember these experiences that we have with the Lord so that when down the road of get discouraged, we begin to question, well, maybe I'm not supposed to. Maybe God didn't call me. No, wait, this is what he said to me. Before my wife and I moved here to plant this church, we still lived in Florida. We took the time to write down on several legal sized yellow pieces of paper. We just wrote down every way that God had confirmed to us that he was calling us to Maryland to plant a church, you know, in case there ever came a day where we questioned that calling in discouragement and thought, maybe we didn't hear the Lord. Maybe we're not supposed to be here. It's kind of like, remember the in case of emergency, break glass kind of thing. I've got this little pack of paper now with all these details listed out for me that I can go back and I can read it and it can just affirm to us, oh, this is what God's called me to do. And Jeremiah has that affirmation, and that's one of the reasons why he's able to just stay the course for over 40 years, just hammering away, even though nobody is responding, and everybody hates him for what he's saying to them, but he's got this calling, and he's sure of this calling of what God's called him to. Now, verse 10, verse 10, God describes Jeremiah's ministry. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. That's a hard job description right there. You'd rather it say, you know, I'm calling you to preach to the people and you're going to preach, you know, happy things and nice things and encouraging things. But no, I need you to root out. I need you to pull down. I need you to destroy, I need you to throw down, and then build and plant. And so his ministry includes both destruction and construction. There are things that need to be rooted out, torn down, and destroyed, and there are things that need to be built up and planted. The nation's sin, the nation's idolatry, needs to be rooted out and destroyed. By turning back to the Lord, the nation will be built up and planted again. And unfortunately, just because of the hardness of the people's hearts, he's going to spend a lot of his message trying to root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down, and just a little bit of his message building up and planting. But that's because of the people's hearts, not because of Jeremiah. So now in verse 11, Jeremiah has his first vision here as a prophet. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Now, the branch of the olive, uh, the almond tree, the almond tree is the first tree to bloom in Israel, but it's the last tree to produce fruit. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. The book of Jeremiah entails many prophecies given to the people of Israel, but they weren't just commands of judgment and consequence. 
Within these pages, Jeremiah gives insight into the coming promises that Jesus would offer by coming and fulfilling a new covenant of redemption for all people. What's interesting is that Jeremiah poured his heart and soul out as he wrote this book. It wasn't just a dry dissertation of what people should do or what should come about. Jeremiah was a living and breathing person during the time of siege and exile, and he felt deeply for the people and nation he was a part of. His empathy for his kinsmen should resonate with you as you're part of a larger group of people in a nation and ultimately part of God's family. Is there a stirring within you to see those who are lost come to have a saving knowledge of Christ? If so, you might be able to relate to Jeremiah more than you thought. If you're enjoying this series through the book of Jeremiah and would like to hear more teachings, we encourage you to visit our website at calvaryec.com. In addition to listening to these teachings, you can access more information about the church behind this ministry. Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. As a church, our heart is geared towards spreading the gospel message to all we come in contact with. And we welcome anyone to worship with us at our location in Columbia, Maryland. For service times and location, check out calvaryec.com. Thanks for joining us today. Next time, we'll continue looking at the book of Jeremiah here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the